If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, and also your host. I'd like to share a way you can help support this show and help us grow. We partner up with Mika Fashion, a clothing brand that empowers women to accept themselves with their imperfections and limitations. To check out some beautiful styles, go to our special link, bit.ly slash Mika Francisca, M-I-K-A-H-F-R-A-N-C-I-S-K-A, also posted in the show notes. And with every purchase you make using this link, you get to support The Francisca Show. This week, August 1st, on Thursday, you can join an exclusive meeting with Miriam Grunhaus, founder of Mika Fashion, at 7 p.m. at the Trip Hotel on 35th Street in New York City. There will be kosher food, swag bags, giveaway. There's limited space, and it's $25 a pop. Welcome to the show, Deborah Seidel. Deborah is an actor, singer, and pianist, and we're so excited to have you on the show. I don't know if you remember, but we've met at Tismar Shoshana a bunch of years ago at a summer camp for yes. performing arts. I do remember, and thank you so much for having me. So let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your education and how your career in the performing arts developed. Um, so I'm from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Uh, Cherry Hill's a, a very Jewish area. I uh, grew up in a very traditional Jewish home. We were in synagogue every week. My family was just very, very involved. Uh, my mom was very involved in Jewish programming. My dad was very involved. Um, my older sister was as well. Following my bat mitzvah, I used to read Torah all the time and, and lead sor- services. And growing up, I I was exposed to music really young. I started playing the piano when I was five. Um, my dad was um, also a singer and an actor, not professionally. So I grew up seeing him perform and performing with him. My sister uh, is, a, is a singer and violinist. And uh, so, as I said, I started playing the piano when I was five and was all, always doing both musical theater as a, as a singer and also was at the piano. Um, my great uncle is a professional pianist. So growing up, he was one of my big role models in high school. I became very serious with the piano through my great uncle. Actually, I found a really, or my mother found a really wonderful teacher who was actually right in Cherry Hill and we never knew about her, Vita Zupancic. She changed my life and I came to her and said that I wanted to go to the Oberlin Conservatory and my technique was very behind at that point. And in three years, she got me ready for my auditions and I worked harder than I ever had before. I I went to Ukraine with her for a the International Music Festival there and was playing repertoire that I had just never played before. 
And so the classical piano really became my focus. I went to Oberlin for my undergrad as a classical piano performance major. And then and when I finished at Oberlin, I um, a year later, I auditioned for graduate schools and was accepted to the Manhattan School of Music in New York and moved to the city and got my master's in classical piano performance there and had a really wonderful experience with uh, my teacher there, Daniel Epstein, who I'm still in touch with. And when I finished graduate school, I had really loved the program. It was a two-year program. And all throughout this conservatory environment, both Oberlin and MSM, you know, juries and and recitals and and lots of requirements and I was really away from the theater scene completely and that whole part of myself was really just not being um you know I, I I just wasn't engaging in that that part of my life and when I finished graduate school I I didn't even realize how much I was missing acting because I really hadn't done it in about a decade and I threw myself back into musical theater. I found a community theater production of Oklahoma in Bayside, Queens, and um, understudied for the role of Ado Annie. And really from that point on, I I just was trying to build up my resume because I had been away from acting for so long. And I found a voice teacher soon after and just found really every community theater production I could find just to get roles on my resume. I was doing theater in Long Island and Queens and Brooklyn and and really all over the place. And that also led me into my love for musical directing. I've always loved working with kids. And uh, so I've done a lot of musical directing over the years. I was at the YMCA for five years um, with their children's musical theater program. And then about three or four years ago, I decided that I wanted to pursue acting professionally and, you know, really focus on that. And so currently that is what I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of auditions, um, also trying to get into TV and film. I've been in a couple short films and do a lot of open calls as an actor done. And I'm, I'm working as a, as a vocal coach and to kind of keep up, keep up my classical piano roots. I will do a chamber music recital probably once or twice a year and doing as much accompanying as I can. And Private vocal coaching is more what I'm doing now, whereas the last number of years I was doing a lot of work with groups of kids so that I can really pursue acting full time. Now I'm doing more of, you know, the one on one vocal coaching slash accompanying. And that's kind of that's kind of where I am today. (laughs) Wow, that's really well diversified. You're all over the place. Can I ask what it's like to pursue a career in acting for someone like you in New York? First of all, I feel so lucky and so blessed that I am getting to pursue really what I've always wanted to pursue and my dream. Um, So I'll, I'll say that I am 
so in, in terms of my Jewish identity, that's still a very major part of my life every day. I would say, so I got married about two years ago and my, you know, I don't love labels, but I would say my husband and I are, are modern Orthodox. And so balancing a career as an actor with being an observant Jewish woman has its challenges and everybody has their challenges in life. And I, that is one of mine just to balance. I often feel like I'm living in, in two different worlds and finding a way to make the two worlds and, you know, these two parts of myself that I'm both equally passionate about, finding a way to make them meet and merge. And it's a constant balancing act and challenge. And that's something I'm, I'm really grateful that I have the chance to figure out. It's so interesting. And congratulations on getting married. I remember when that happened. It was Thank you so, much. so exciting. So I'm sure you have to deal a lot with, forget about Kalisha. Let's just straight up deal with Shabbos, uh, the Sabbath. And yes. How do you deal with that? And how does that turn out? Like, do you have to give up roles? Are there gigs you cannot take or jobs you cannot accept because of this? Right. So I kind of take it project by project. So for me personally, while in my, you know, ideal world, I would never perform on Shabbos and Shabbos would just be Shabbos. I do perform on Shabbat, but I, you know, I obviously like I don't travel. And so whatever production I'm in, I will find if it's at all possible for me to stay somewhere in walking distance to the theater or to the venue, I'll do that. Last summer, I was in a production in the village at uh, the La Mama Theater. And uh, my husband and I, we were so lucky. So this, this family on the Upper West Side who has frequently had us and hosted us for Shabbat, their mother lived a few blocks from the theater in the village and she hosted us for Shabbat so that I could walk to the theater. It's definitely challenging. I'm I'm I feel really determined to make it work, but I've I've definitely run into people in this business that have told me, you know, you're never going to be able to make that work. I admire how you find a way to not compromise on your on, on your values and it's really beautiful thank you I'd like to get more into the business end of things and I know you say you you're so grateful to be in this acting career but take us through some of the steps that it takes so what education do you need to become an actress I you have mentioned your classical musical training which is absolutely required because if, if your technique is not excellent, <laughs> nobody cares where you were educated or trained. Right. Um, so, totally. So take us through that. So I will say because I was in the classical music world, I mean, that informs just so much of what I do as an actor, as a singer, um, whatever kind of musician I am, it really made me into being in that being in that world, I will say that as an actor, I, what I tell people is I feel like I unofficially have a theater degree at this point because I've taken classes all over the city. 
And um, now I, I take classes at a, a very wonderful studio called the Kelly Kimball Studio. It's an on-camera focus studio and I take I've taken on camera classes there I I take this wonderful it's called ballistics it's their their version of of improv and it's it's been really life-changing for me yeah I would say taking acting classes taking voice lessons I would never call myself a dancer I I have some tap experience I found a really wonderful, two two very wonderful uh, voice teachers, uh, Christine Riley and Doug Oberhammer, and they're they're married. And I, I work I worked with them for years, and and still coach with them. And yeah, I think it's a variety of of things, and what that is is different for everybody. There's no sometimes, unfortunately or fortunately, there's no like set path of you need to do a b and c to make it in this business i'm still i'm still kind of figuring that out every day (laughs) so so let me ask you this so now you're married and hopefully there's another income to help pay the bills but it has this been something that can support you obviously i would assume giving private lessons in new york there it is a possibility to support yourself from that. Yes. So the vocal coaching and the musical directing has been really good in that way. I'm definitely not, you know, in terms of income from being an actor, that that is not there yet. I am hopeful that it will be in the not too distant future, but that that hasn't happened yet. Okay. Well, I wish you... Uh, Lots of luck in that area. Thank you. We started our relationship in a camp, but I'm also interested more, I would say a lot of or most of the creative arts positions available to Jewish Orthodox women are in in the framework of a school or camp, and we've met in a camp. Uh, Can you tell us about what the work entails? Do you feel like how did you get into that? Were you recruited to a camp? Just in general, I'd like to talk about the market overall because every school looks for directors when it comes to their productions and their plays. And I'm sure you're sought out sometimes for stuff like that, whether it's in schools or in camps. Yes, yes. I've, I've, so I've done a lot of work in a variety of schools throughout New York. Um, I was recruited to teach at Tismore Trishana by uh, Dr. and Hannah Singer. And that was a really wonderful experience. I think, I think that I think their camp is just amazing because of the opportunity it gives observant girls who would just not, who, who otherwise would not have that opportunity. Um, I taught at the SAR um, at, at SAR in Riverdale for a year. I mean, I'm such a proponent of a theater program in every school. And I think in the Jewish world specifically, there, I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more education in terms of the necessity of these arts programs. Yeah, I think that's something that needs to be discussed more. Do you feel like you're getting uh, valued in terms of compensation for your 
qualifications. So my question is, is the Jewish world paying you less or more for your talents compared to the mainstream world? Definitely not less. I mean, right now, I'm not, I'm actually not teaching in any Jewish venues or or schools because right now I am doing more one-on-one coachings. But I definitely don't feel like in terms of what I was compensated in those schools, it was any less. If if anything, it was it might have been more. Well, Just, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in in terms of compensation for just people in the arts, it's just, in my opinion, it's just never, it's never enough. And there is this mentality of almost we need to be apologetic, um, which of course we shouldn't be. But there's almost this mentality that that artists shouldn't need to be paid, and because we're doing what we love. I know that's always been a really challenging topic for me just because I don't like talking about compensation, but I've realized it's a very necessary conversation and usually good to have up front. Oh, yeah. Uh I agreed with that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who are your biggest influencers, whether they're actors or musicians? And by that, I mean a living the career right now, not people necessarily like Mozart. (laughs) Right. Gotcha. Um, Well, I would say throughout my whole life, my great uncle, who's a professional pianist, who taught at Oberlin and was the chair of the Oberlin Conservatory for almost 40 years, he's always been a huge role model and, and influence in my life. I mean, I've always really looked up to him and I've taken lessons with him throughout my life. My dad growing up was a, a huge influence, positive influence on me and inspiration. Is there anyone who's living the career path you're trying to follow? Or you're like, you know what, that's who I'd like to be in five I mean, years, or that's where I'd like to be? I'm a huge, huge fan of Adina Menzel. I just think she's a superstar. I love her. <laughs> um, I adore Bette Midler beyond words. And I got to see her in Hello, Dolly a few months ago, which was one of the biggest highs of my life <laughs> and something I will remember forever. Um, I've always been a huge fan of Judy Garland. Um, She was one of my dad's favorite artists and Frank Sinatra. I mean, I love Kelly O'Hara. I I love a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. We, as artists, we love what we're doing, clearly. Can you describe what it feels like to be acting? You're, You're being someone else. You're putting on a show. Walk us through your, it could be preparing for a set, preparing for a performance or being actually on stage, what it feels like on stage, post-performance, the highs, the lows. Just take Mm -hmm. us through the life of an actress or an actor. For me, and every actor has their own process, it's, it's always finding the balance between bringing myself to a character and, you know, becoming this character while still while still bringing 
myself to the character, if that makes sense. And being as truthful to this character as I possibly as I possibly can. One of my most memorable acting roles was a number of years ago, I had the opportunity to play Anne Frank for an educational theater company for three seasons. It was, especially as a Jewish woman, it just meant so much to me and was such an honor to play her. You know, But with that came for me a huge responsibility to do her memory justice. And I would say my process kind of evolved throughout the three years I, I was playing her. And as, as I continue to grow as an actor, my process changes a little bit. I will say when I'm, when I'm on stage, I feel like I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I mean, it also, you know, it depends if we're talking straight theater or we're talking musical theater. Musical theater, I just feel high, <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, when I when I have the opportunity to perform in a musical, I really kind of sometimes feel like I'm just like soaring. I don't know if that answers your question, but I mean, I could I could go on about that. Just go a little deeper. That Anne Frank, just share a scene with us or something. There was one scene where Anne wakes up from a nightmare that she's having while they're in the attic just mentally preparing for that and was obviously very, very emotional. And also something I've really worked on and that I I had to work on with that role was being able to, so we would have shows with that production. It was, we were performing for various schools. So all the shows were in the morning and being able to, do that production in the morning and then kind of leave it for the rest of the day, which at first I found to be really hard. I had feelings of guilt about about doing that. Like, and now I get to walk away and and Frank obviously didn't. That was something that I really had to almost force myself to do to kind of maintain my my sanity. Obviously not all roles require that kind of emotional, you know, re- require different things emotionally. Every, every role requires you to do something emotionally and to to find what that is, but that was very specific to that role. And I played, I was understudying uh, Rosemary in a production of How to Succeed in Business without really trying. And that was a very different process emotionally and psychologically than playing Anne Frank. How would you say you get most of your roles? Is it by cold calling and just applying for them? Or do you feel like Connections has given you a lot? You've mentioned that your extended and immediate family are all in the arts and performing arts world. What would you distribute your success so far in acquiring your roles in acting? My family's kind of divided. There's like the very artistic side of my family. And then there's a, there's a number of attorneys in my family. My mom's a therapist. Um, she's a, a huge supporter and loves to be in the audience, but she does definitely doesn't want to be on the stage. <laughs> Some of it's been through connections with friends, different festivals that I've done in the city. I did a play in the Midtown International Theater Festival a few years ago. My friend Mason Reif, very good friend and a very wonderful actor, 
and writer and director, he was directing a play called Skip, which he had also written. And he asked me to be in it with him. I also recently, a few weeks ago, he wrote a short film and asked me to do that with him. So, you know, while I'm auditioning, you know, sometimes it's a lot of auditioning and not not hearing anything. So I'm so grateful when friends ask me to be part of projects and which is why I also put together a lot of my own work. I put together a number of cabarets, put together a benefit concert a few years ago with Mason and my friend Sarah Larson. It was in memory of what happened in Orlando. You know, I feel like as artists, we just, we have to make our our own work and our own art because it's really tough out there. And most of auditioning and most of this life is never hearing back and not getting responses. And it, it's really... Agreed, yeah. Yes. It's, it's tough like, out there. <laughs> it t- tests my faith a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. What would your advice be for anyone who's aspiring to go into any of the fields you're in right now? Any advice? Yeah, I would say do what you're passionate about. And I, I believe that there is a place for everyone. I, I really do. At, at my core, I believe, whether it's as a musician, an actor, a, a teacher, I mean, there's so much need for artists of all kinds. And I, I really believe that you know, people talk about so much of the competition. And of course, I have my days where I I fall into that. And I work very hard not to compare myself to other people. But I'm, I'm sure I do. I, I definitely do sometimes. And um, but but I, I really believe that there there is a place for everyone. And so I guess my advice would be to just believe that there is a, a place for you and you're going to find your niche and don't settle for not doing what you love because I think life is too short. That's so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Deborah, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Thank you so much for, for having me. I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Francisca Show. If you haven't yet, please make sure to subscribe. Leave us a review if you haven't yet. And also there is a Facebook group called The Francisca Show Podcast where I post some relevant articles and I like to inspire conversation between artists so there could be more interaction. So make sure to join the group. And thank you for listening to The Francisca Show. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.